0: Okay, Robert E, go ahead. The floor is yours. And away we go. Good morning, everyone. Good day, everyone. Um, thank you, Louisa, for asking me to um share a little bit of my story. Um I'm Robert and I'm an alcoholic. Um I've been sober for uh 15 years as of this past August. Um I'll 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 try not to ramble. I'll start at the, kind of the beginning. I think my childhood kind of plays into this through line of 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 uh of um who I am discovering um that I am at this age. Um I was I was raised um about 180 miles south of here, south of here, working class family, uh three siblings, I'm a twin. Um I think my parents probably could have afforded two children, but they ended up having four, and they did the best they could. My father worked at a factory and sometimes worked two jobs so that my mother could stay at home and um and raise us. My mother was definitely the head of the household um they were both great parents i i um um you know they had their flaws, but they lived for their children. And, uh, I was, I'm eternally grateful for that. Um, you know, they got us into music or sports, you know, the, I was, um, I was always perfectly content to sit in front of the television and watch movies or television or build my model, my model cars or my model airplanes. And she'd kick me out and have me, you know, so I could play with the neighborhood children. And, um, and then, and then I, I, I started reading and that was another big thing. Uh, I was introduced to ice hockey when I was eight years old and that became a very important uh, aspect of, of um, my youth uh, when I was eight. And uh, by the time I was 13, I got, I, I got a scholarship to uh, a summer camp at Michigan state university, which is one of the preeminent uh, programs in, in the United States for ice hockey. At least it was at the time. I don't know if it still is, but uh, they kind of, they use it as a recruitment and scouting tool uh, to see what, young talents out there um but then 15 came along and that summer of my uh 1975 when I was 15 I was asked to be a junior counselor at a summer camp and I was the youngest one there and that's where I was introduced to cigarettes to pot to alcohol and to drugs and I never looked back that changed my life the trajectory of my life I I probably would have, you know, I would have come across it at some point, but that's, that's when I was introduced to it. And I had the summer to embrace it all. Uh, luckily, drugs never really played a part in my life. I think it, I think that, I think it scared, drugs scared me. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, after that summer, um, it got to the point, you know, I played varsity hockey and I was always careful. You know, I never got drunk before practice or before a hockey game or, but other than that, I got high before high, before school at lunchtime and after school. And that was the prevalent, you know, that was, that was, I, I was suspended for three days. Uh, it's the first time I made my mother cry. I was suspended because, um, the uh the dean, they called them dean's principal or whatever, um caught three of us. We would get hot we we had hockey practice at, at lunch. We would get high in this one of their vans and then we would go up and spend the rest of the 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 day high. Well he caught on to this this thing we were doing and we came into this we came into the school one day and he was there waiting for us and I'm sure we just reeked of pot. And, uh, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, so they called my parents in and, uh, suspended, uh, suspended us. I almost, uh, hockey was, a hockey was the most important thing to me when growing up, um, well into my late twenties. Um, but, you know, I was threatened to get, to get kicked off the varsity team and all that. But, um, I, you know, I gradu I barely graduated from high school. Uh, I I had to get out of that environment I was in. Um, there was no way I was going to stick around. Uh, where I grew up was it was like 30,000 people. Um, but it but then a few miles away was Peoria, Illinois, which is like i don't know 180,000 or so and it's the international home of uh, caterpillar tractor company and that's where my father worked and you know you either you either went to college or you started working in the factory or you helped on the farm you know that was kind of that was your or you went to, you know to college uh but i chose the military i went into the air force um and uh you know i could drink all i wanted as long as i showed up Uh, you know, in the morning, I was a, I was a, I had an office job basically. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I took advantage of that. I was the first time at 19 years old. It was the first time I was asked if I was an alcoholic by a, uh, by a doctor. Um, and, uh, I was, I was, I was an asshole. I was, um, I had anger issues, which is what I think ice hockey helped me a lot because I could get my I could get my anger out. I fought a lot in the in ice hockey. That's was part of the game. Uh, and um, I had a hair trip. I I flew into rages very easily when I was young. Uh, my brother, older brother used to tease me just to get me into those rages. Uh, and um and then in the Air Force, I was demoted. Uh, I was, a stripe was taken away, and uh, my time and grade, um, because of my attitudes, um, and that was a huge lesson. Uh, that I have to get along with other people. Uh, and uh, it was a lesson. You know, it was a lesson I learned. Uh, I straightened up my act, at least on the outside. Uh, I knew what I needed to do to get along and, um, get through those four years in the air force. You know, I ha- always had my shoes polished, always had those, um, razor sharp seams and all of that stuff. And I ended up getting my, you know, about a year and a half later, I was called into the commander's office and he gave me my strike back and my timing grade back, uh, because of the turnaround he had saw in me, but it was all a facade. I just, it, I just knew what I had to do. So I did it. and. um Uh, and I had them so convinced that, you know, they thought for sure I was going to reenlist. Um, but I had, I, I had to, I, that would have been a good environment for me, uh, had I not started wrestling with my sexual orientation by then. Um, and, uh, I knew I couldn't stay in the military, uh, being, you know, and trying to pursue an honest life as a gay man, uh and uh so i i got out i went to college um i was my drinking i was a binge drinker for the most part uh i could moderate it because i was smoking pot i think in retrospect i i look at it that way because once i hit my once i was in my early 30s um you know i was in a I was in a long-term relationship and uh uh and we lived together and, and it was, i was in my mid-30s and i was like you know what i'm, I'm gonna quit smoking pot i'm in in my 30s and it's just it uh and then of course it wasn't legal um and so that's when my drinking took off though once when i quit smoking pot so that's why i think maybe that was a moderating uh it had a moderating effect because once i once i once i quit pot i i just the the drinking just went out of control um, I ended up breaking up with my partner that of uh, eight years, um, and it that's when it just things just started to spiral downhill. I was working, com- I was working perf- in commercial photography. By then, um, steadily had a good career path, um, but it you know alcohol just became the most important thing for the most part and um i got a I got a job you know by then i was and then like fast forward i was in my 40s and i still didn't really have a career to speak of um i was going back to back and forth between new york and chicago on these jobs and I was doing that for about 4 years and spending half my time in New York half my time in Chicago and so I decided to um and by then I was living by myself I had I had to I was renting a room with a friend who had a a, a, a an apartment and <laughs> I remember once I got sober you know I did my amends I was, did my steps did my amends and so I I um my behavior was atrocious with most people Uh, during that time. And uh, my circle of friends were just those I drank with. And um, but uh, I primarily drank alone. I would drink socially. I would drink at the bars. If I was with my buddies, I would get drunk with them at bars. But if I had to go to a cocktail party or a dinner party or any social event where being drunk wasn't socially acceptable, I would I would get drunk first, then go uh and then go home and get even more drunk and when i lived with my friend renting a room a bedroom from him uh he, i remember when when we were talking uh several years later uh when i made amends he was like you know i wondered like you would just go into your room and just i would i wouldn't see you for the entire until the next morning till the next morning and that's cuz i was going in there and just getting you know, I had all my beer. Beer was my drink of choice and we just get drunk. Uh so by the time I le- I moved out of Chicago, I it was a geographic um uh which for those I don't know if everyone knows that phrase, but you know, I I I I moved in in um you know in a in an attempt to quit drinking, thinking that the environment is what was causing it. Um So I moved to New York and I didn't I didn't uh, other than the professional contacts I had made. I didn't know anyone. And so my drinking just it it, it was just the opposite. It got it got worse, worse and worse and worse to the point where after I was there for a few years, I could hardly keep a job. Um, I was just doing these small gigs and sometimes I wouldn't even show up for them because I couldn't be bothered. Uh, and um, sometimes I couldn't afford bus fare or, or subway fare. Uh, sometimes I couldn't afford groceries and I would steal money from my roommate and uh, um, I would borrow money from people, anybody I could, Um and uh my my life just uh became smaller and smaller and smaller um by that time i i had a i had a boyfriend again who somehow tolerated me i don't i don't really get it now uh i mean like once i lived in brooklyn and he lived in manhattan and he came out to brooklyn in a snowstorm to spend the evening but I by the time he got there I was already like three sheets to the wind and uh I <laughs> he was buzzing the buzzer and I completely ignored it. I was like I'm just I'm I'm drunk by now. I'm happy. I don't need you here. I'm just yeah, you know. And uh he went back home and um but we, and then we ended up moving in together and um uh by then yeah, I was close to homeless uh before we moved in. I remember we we had to do credit checks. Uh he had a good job. He was an architect. And um we had to do credit checks and I did not qualify for even to even get a, a, a an apartment. Uh so he had to uh he uh, he got one for us. Um and then uh and then once we moved in I started that was about the time I started exploring uh, AA. Um, I grew up as a Lutheran. My my parents were, we went to church every Sunday. And um they weren't the kind of people who talked about God. It was just they used their religion to, you know, answer whatever questions they needed, you know, to make sense of the world. And that was that was what they how they used their their beliefs. Um, but uh we had to go to church every Sunday and I had to go through catechism and uh become a member of the church. And I I have a distinct memory of being, I don't know, somewhere around eight, nine years old and in the pews and just not believing any of it. And I don't know where that came from at eight or nine years old, but I was like, this just, I don't, I'm this, I don't, I don't believe it. Um, So, you know, I, I lived that, you know, uh, my entire, my entire life. And so when I got, when I, when I tried getting sober, um i chafed at all the god talk because i was very angry uh you know i had this combination of grandiosity and victimhood you know that uh where you know um i didn't i wanted to do the least amount i i had to do to get sober um And uh, one of those was, you know, not talking, not having to hear this God talk. Um, But uh, I luckily being in New York, you can pretty much find a meeting that appeals to you in in just about for anything. And um, I remember I was going to a smattering of gay meetings and and uh, uh, and and there wasn't much there wasn't much God talk in those meetings. And um, and then and then. I just happened to find a couple of meetings that that worked for me, but, uh, one of the other, one of the other things that I just, I almost walked out of one meeting. If you wanted to trigger me, start talking about gratitude. Uh, I, I hated that discussion. I'm "I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to be sober. And, you know, then I was just like, I what Kool-Aid did you guys drink? Um, but uh, then I found, I tried going to atheist meetings. I found those meetings very angry, just filled with angry people who just talked about God more than even the regular meetings. Uh, but everyone just seemed angry. Was, uh, I, because they eschewed, it was AA as a meeting, but they eschewed everything having to do with AA. So there were they didn't discuss, you know, there wasn't any literature. There wasn't any 12 steps. So it was just a bunch of angry drunks. Dry drunks, basically. Um, I mean, that was my observation. Uh, From those meetings, I've since learned that that's not always the case. You know, that's just the meetings I happen to go to. Um, And but I found a we humanist meeting, several of them uh, agnostics, more agnostic meetings. um, And uh, I would relapse. I was in and out for a few years, just relapsing uh constantly i couldn't you know i would start walking to a meeting and i would pass a liquor store and i was i would end up going into the liquor store and just forgetting about the meeting uh but then and i i then this one this one humanist meeting i was going to i started going to regularly i loved the people in there i started listening which was which was the most important thing uh i learned to do that you know things started to seep into the head uh, but I was still getting drunk But counting days So I was counting days to the people Telling them I was like You know 15 days sober 20 days sober 25 days sober I wasn't I, I was drinking But I didn't want them to know that uh, Because you know, There was that other thing about Wanting to be liked And uh, this other stuff And um, But then I remember It was like I was I had counted 45 days that I was sober, and I wasn't. And I was just like, by then, I was comfortable enough with this group. I sort of understood them enough that I just admitted it. And, you know, I was, of course, embraced with acceptance and love and understanding. And I was like, wow, because my parents, I love, you no, know, my parents were great but I never heard, I love you from them. I, they were dis you know, my mother was a disciplinarian. Um, You know, they, their, their idea of, of they took care of us. They were, they lived for their children, but, but they weren't, you know, they weren't accessible on an emotional level as parents. And I think I carried that through. And when I, when I found this group and I, and I, you know I admitted this to them, and they accepted it it was it was an i i epiphany that's the only thing I could think of to call it and it was af you know from that moment on uh yeah, I was sober <laughs> and uh you know it's so emotional even even now it was so powerful um yeah, so that that was that was the beginning. And um but uh you know I I still there was still something missing, uh, you know, once I started getting sober and uh, and I had I didn't have a sponsor. Uh the thing nice thing too about the humanist meetings is we they developed a twelve steps um that didn't include God, you know, we did have literature AA literature and um that was just um uh was was secular and um i just that was a safe space that's what i that's what i needed um and uh but but then I started you know after a couple of years and things started seeping in and I started kind of changing a little bit and uh, I decided I'd start going to regular meetings. Um, I was you know I was more tolerant and uh, and then I got a sponsor and, and I I did the steps and um uh the the steps. I think I've said this before and I can't for for my for me I. I don't think I can overstate the importance that the steps played in my personal development as a sober person Uh, because it's basically just a self-help program, you know, where you're, 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 you're forced to face things about your past, reconcile them, don't carry them with you, let them go, apologize, which was a huge thing for me, uh, you know, accept responsibility, um all of those things uh it was very important and um also you know the weird thing is when I started getting sober it was very emotional it was a very emotional time and my partner couldn't deal with it and we ended up we ended up breaking up and I just find it ironic that he dealt with all this shit and dealt with when I was a drunk but once I got sober uh I you know and maybe and I I we're dear friends to this day we're going to Mexico, we're going to spain together in march um but i had in i had to make amends to him and and that you know eventually but um but yeah so he ended up breaking up with me and um uh that that started a very uh difficult time in in my sobriety i got cancer uh non-hodgkin's lymphoma i was at a 20 percent chance of survival because I let it go for so long. Um chemo, you know, operations. Um, uh but I just stayed sober through all that. I relied on on my um the relationships that I developed in AA to help me. Um I went through bankruptcy, um uh, survived that. I was living in the basement of a rehab center, uh, working for the owner of the company, who was an addict and a drunk and a, an abusive man. Uh, but I lived in the basement for three years. With, you know, I'd wake up occasionally with a cockroach running across me. Um, uh, And I just did whatever I could. I was his personal assistant. I chauffeured him around, you know, and, but I always had a goal in mind. And that was, that's the gift of sobriety is I could, you know, it it wasn't just living from one drunk to the next. It was living sober, a sober life from one day to the next. And just putting one step in front of the, you know, one foot in front of the other. And, um, uh, I was still too screwed up to really keep a full-time job. Once I, you know, I managed to, and then I started, I, I left that, that, that job It was very abusive. It was like, I was on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, and, um, he was just an abusive man. And eventually I got out of that, um, and started cleaning apartments. And then, and then from there, I, uh, I got a full-time job in producing and managing for other commercial photographers, but I wasn't very good at it. I couldn't, I, I wasn't very good at it. I, I, uh, my heart wasn't in it and I was still kind of addled from all these years of drinking. And, um, uh, and, um, Yeah. So at the same time, at, at about the same time, I, so when I was going through cancer, I had a, uh, an ex-boyfriend from Chicago who said, you know, I want to send you these books and, uh, you know, you read them if you want to, you don't, if you want, but, uh, you know, so they ended up being books on Nichiren Buddhism, which is, um, a, a, a particular kind of Buddhism. It's not Zen Buddhism. Uh, it has, it's very different. Um, and, uh, that in conjunction with my sobriety uh, uh using the tools in sobriety i've 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 really been able to um develop i think more of my potential as a human being uh in in sobriety both uh spiritually whatever that is it's not not religion i don't i'm i i the yeah, i i'm not a religious i'm not religious at whatsoever um i'm i'm skeptical of all institutions especially religion uh and um but those two things you know i have really been able to develop a, a a fuller life emotionally spiritually um uh you know i still i i still struggle a lot with um my uh not a lot. I shouldn't say that. I don't struggle with it a lot, but, um, there are still certain things that trigger me as far as, um, these little, these little things with anger. Uh, now it seems to just be traffic when I have to drive. That's what triggers me now is traffic. Um, you know, if I see someone, my pet peeve is when people are driving and 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 they they've got their phone right here and they're driving, and you can almost you can tell if you're behind them because they they don't stay in their lane or they slow down really slow. And in Chicago, you know, it, it to, to drive to drive twenty in a thirty mile an hour really screws up traffic because it slows down everyone. But anyway that's that's probably my biggest thing i in sobriety you know when when um i had i slowly worked myself in back into commercial photography um you know it's a small world even though new york is a big city these these separate in uh industries um are small and you get a reputation one way or the other and um i couldn't go back to that world uh So I slowly began just kind of developing another path to my commercial photography. Uh, And then I got a full-time job with this Danish company. And um, one of the, one of the conditions was that I start a branch. I get to move back to Chicago and start a branch in Chicago. Um, Because by then I didn't need to be in New York anymore. I was done with New York. I I, I love New York. It treated me re- re- well. Um, I'm glad I got sober there. The energy there, I it was, it was fantastic. Um, and uh, I'll stop talking here in a minute. Um, and, and then COVID hit, and this Danish company pulled up stakes and left the U.S. and left me in the sales rep uh, not working. And I can remember that getting that letter and staying up all night. Cause I was just, you know, I got a mortgage now I've got a car now. I'm, I, I don't have a job. What am I going to do? Uh, but thankfully in sobriety, uh, and you know, my practice it, um, I've learned that, you know, we're tested, we're tested in t- to one degree or another every day. And uh, problems arise, um, life sucks, get over it, move forward. So we started our own company, you know, and um, now I'm, you know, now I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, We have this company and then I do my own photography, commercial photography as an individual. Uh, We have like six or seven photographers in New York. We have a presence in Atlanta, here in Chicago, Um, and then I do my own kind of commercial real estate, uh, architecture, developer kind of stuff. Um, And uh, I, I, I. The other thing is, I'm I'm an introvert, and I've not I've not in the time I've been in Chicago, I've not really uh, been to too many meetings. I I really haven't found any meetings that i can really feel feel comfortable with until this one and yeah and and, and the tasneva meetings i mean i i absolutely love them uh and I, I you know i love all the different perspectives and the honesty uh is fantastic here so that's all i have to say sorry i think i rambled on for quite a while uh, I hope everyone wants to speak it's a chance to thank you very much.